Good morning. It's Thursday, June 13th, and you are listening to the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz, a daily podcast catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news all within 15 minutes or fewer. My name is Connor Tapp, and I'm joined on the other line this and every weekday by 24-7 Sports College Sports Editor, Trey Scott. Trey, what's good? 72 long days until the start of the college football season, but I am doing okay. (sighs) 72. You know, it is almost like time itself is running up the score on us, Trey. Speaking of running up the score, that was a charge levied against the U.S. women's national soccer team earlier this week on its way to a 13-0 defeat over Thailand in the World Cup group stage. Some found the most fault with manager Jill Ellis' approach to substitutions while nursing a big league, others with the captain's goal celebration for a score that put the U.S. women up 9-0. Defenders said, hey man, it's the World Cup, and goal differential is one of the tiebreakers that decide who makes it out of the group. Either way, it got me thinking, Trey. Running up the score is an issue that very much touches our corner of the world. From Steve Spurrier trying to hang half a hundred on Georgia in front of the Bulldog faithful in 1995 to Jim Harbaugh, going for two with a four-score lead over lowly Rutgers. This is something college football fans get real fired up about. They throw out the word classiness and uh, get real angry about it. So uh, college football, I think, is kind of a unique sport when it comes to running up the lead. So, Trey, I'm I'm excited to talk to you a little bit about uh, how this uh, impacts the college game. I totally forgot that Jim Harbaugh did that. You yeah. know, all of those anecdotes with running up the score seem to involve a uh, an act of pettiness, right? Yeah. Like a uh, an fu or a, it's a it's a it's a rivalry game, something like that. I was looking at running up the score when we when we talked about this um, as a as a function of okay, we have a college football playoff now. It's not just the BCS. It's not just these computers spitting out the top two teams. So there's there's no longer this huge necessity to to run up the score, which was my initial thought, and it proved correct. And I'll dive into that in a little bit. But do you remember, Connor, like before the the playoff era began, the days of it's like let's say it's it's mid to late November, and we know exactly who our, our contenders are for those those one and two spots. And let's say like Bob Stoops. They were just they just got done routing Oklahoma State, beating by forty five, and they would say something to the effect of like we don't want to have to do this, right? Like we don't want to beat teams like this, but that's what they're making us do. Um, and I just thought that was interesting though. Now, like when you mentioned Jim Harbaugh, now it seems like a pettiness thing because I really don't think you have to run up the score anymore to make the playoff. No, like, like, you know, jump in if you've got anything, but I. I looked at Ohio State the last two years because the Buckeyes have been the absolute test case for this. So Ohio State in its last two seasons obviously gets left out of the playoff after losing by 29 to uh, Purdue on the road and then losing uh, 31 two years ago uh, by 31 to Iowa. So how did Ohio State respond with that? In 2018... Ohio State was up 38-24 to versus Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. Dwayne Haskins throws a touchdown with, a touchdown with four minutes left to go at 45-24. That's the final. I would contend that's not running the score up, right? That's not. That's just playing the, playing the game. You're only up 14. Um, 
against Michigan, maybe this is maybe this is one. You're at 55-32 with 5.26 left. You throw a touchdown to make it 62-32. 62-39 is your final. Still, Ohio State's not going to get into the playoff. That doesn't matter anymore. It, it's, it's a total resume look. And Oklahoma was clearly uh, a more deserving playoff team than Ohio State in 2018. Oklahoma did not have to run at the score in its vengeance of a loss to Texas last fall. Oklahoma barely got by West Virginia in Morgantown. And then they beat Texas by 12 uh, in the Big 12 title game. That was enough. Oklahoma, Oklahoma only beat Oklahoma State by one. They only beat Kansas by 15. The committee did not care about that. The committee cared about Oklahoma's total resume. Yes. Alabama in 2017 did not have a chance to run up the score after losing the Iron Bowl. So, again, we don't believe running up the score matters. Let me jump back to Ohio State in 2017. Bear with me. Yeah. They blew out number 13 Michigan State 48-3, to and they blew out Illinois, and they did not get in. Alabama got in, and that tells me more than anything that it is important to not lose badly, such as when Ohio State lays eggs at Purdue or at Iowa, rather than to win in a big fashion. Yeah, and margin of victory is is mentioned in the college football playoff selection committee's criteria, but it's mentioned in the context of they do not give you priority for margin of victory when comparing outcomes between common opponents is the only mention of margin of victory in the selection criteria. And so, I mean, it, I, so yeah, I think broadly speaking, I think you're right, but I do think there is a point where when you're trying to make an assessment about how good a team is, you want to see when they play teams they're clearly superior than, are they still being dominant? Um, and that is something that, you know, advanced metrics take into account even when trying to quantify how good teams are, thinking specifically of Bill Connolly's S&P Plus system. Um, now, at a certain point, uh, that's considered garbage time, and I, and I don't know the specific... Uh, margin of victory, co- time left combination that kind of kicks garbage time in for him. But I mean, I, a, a thing that I struggle with in being critical of people for running up the score is this is a game where we see four touchdown leads overturn. It doesn't happen a lot, but when it does happen, boy, you look back and you're like, man, if you were just more aggressive in some key spots, you avoid this fate, um, but, but you didn't, and you had some, some extremely bad breaks along the way, and so here you are. So I, that's, that's an area where I struggle uh, being critical, and it's, it's a game where you've got extremely limited live reps throughout the course of a year. You know, as we're rightly moving toward making the game more safe, eliminating contact, eliminating the Oklahoma drill from from practice in the NFL and and perhaps soon in college, um, you know, you only have so many opportunities to go full bore, full contact against a live opponent. And whether now maybe you say take the first teamers out and put the second teamers in and have them go full speed. And uh, I have I have no issues with that. Um, uh, so I don't know. It's uh, for, for those reasons, I think it's a little bit complicated, I guess. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of levels to it. There's the pettiness aspect. 
There's the don't really want to put the take the foot off the gas and also want to get guys reps. And then there's the point I'm making where I don't think it matters, honestly, how much you're winning by. The last point I'll make here in 2015, there was no playoff controversy. In 2016, there was no playoff controversy. Uh, those are the years that uh, Michigan State and then Wisconsin or Washington, respectively, got the last spot. In 2014, our first year of the playoff, TCU blows out Iowa State. Ohio State blows out Wisconsin. But you can't. And what was the decider there? The conference championship, the Big 12 did not have when Ohio State gets in. So we'll see as far as a function of deciding a, a fourth playoff team. I don't know if running up the score matters, but I do not have a problem with your team if you want to do it. Florida State's athletic department intends to become a so-called direct support organization, making it a not-for-profit, tax-exempt corporation under Florida law. Sports Illustrated legal analyst Michael McCann has a lengthy feature on this over at SI.com, which we'll link to in the show notes. Getting too deep into the weeds on this would be a violation of our 15 minutes or fewer credo, but I do want to hit some high points here. Uh, by becoming a DSO, FSU would better coordinate its athletic department activities with Seminoles Boosters Incorporated, which is also a DSO, the Seminoles Athletic Department, which will be renamed Florida State University Athletics Association, would join the University of Florida Gators and the University of Central Florida Knights Athletic Departments as DSO Athletic Departments. Final approval for FSU's initiative is expected by the fall. A key point to me in this story is that the DSO status gives FSU, quote, sovereign immunity. As a general concept, and this is from McCann's piece, sovereign immunity protects public entities, including state schools, from having to defend against lawsuits. There are a variety of exceptions and limitations to sovereign immunity, but overall, it diminishes a public university's exposure to litigation. This normally means lower legal fees for lower insurance rates for universities. It also means a lessened risk for pretrial discovery which in the public university context involves the taking of sworn testimony from university officials and sharing of emails, texts, and other evidence from those officials with the party that is suing. So, I mean, anytime we've got a university closing up some avenues to transparency, especially with a school that is frequently FOIA'd as FSU is, that's... That's a little bit of a concern, as, as, as noted, uh, FSU is hardly the first of its kind uh, to, to pursue this route, although it seems to be uh, contained to the state of Florida based on some laws in the state of Florida. Uh, but definitely an interesting thing to track. Anything to add, Trey? Uh, you covered it, Connor. Okay, cool. Um, let me, I mean, yes, the connection between that you get to seal records or not, not disclosed records. And that the school is Florida state obviously raises an eyebrow. Yeah. Um, okay. Trey, even though we're up 42 to nothing on Oregon state, we've still got college football news nuggets to get to. So let's keep the first team in and go hurry up. No huddle through some headlines from around the sport. What do we have against the Beavers? So mixed bag of news for Tennessee, uh, three-star recruit Melvin McBride medically retiring. He just got onto campus. That gives Tennessee nine players in 21 months uh, who have had to medically retire. Jeremy Pruitt says they're heartbroken for McBride. He was a three-star uh, member of Tennessee's 2019 class. He's from Memphis. However, in more hopeful news, Pruitt also said Wednesday on Birmingham-based WJOX FM show Three Man Front 
that five-star offensive lineman, uh, the prognosis seems to get a little bit better uh, for him. Uh, Smith was sidelined most of last year, or uh, most of last year and the offseason with blood clots in his lungs. Very scary. Uh, but he's participating in summer workouts and conditioning sessions. We'll see if he gets cleared. Also, uh, Maurice Washington of Nebraska, he was scheduled to have a court hearing in California on June 12th, a.k.a. yesterday. That did not happen. It got pushed back to mid, uh, July 25th to accommodate a recent discovery request. Washington's faces facing charges for one felony and one misdemeanor in connection to alleged revenge porn violations. The notable thing here for Washington, who is the star as a freshman, is that July 25th is cutting it awful close to the start of fall camp for the Huskers. Nice job calling June 12th yesterday, even though Morning Blitz devotees have likely deduced that we record this the night before. Um, that's going to do it for today's episode of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend to check us out. For Trey Scott, I'm Connor Tapp, and we'll see you bright and early on Friday for the next edition of the 24-7 Sports Morning Blitz.